Hey, what's up, gang? Avery here. I want to let you know, at the end of our episode, we taped an interview with film producer Adam Scorgi. Adam is known as the producer for Ice Guardians and the creator and producer of Making Coco, The Grand Fear Story. It was fun, it was personal, it was raw. With that being said, listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, it's Carmen David here and you're listening to Brad and Avery Hour. Hey, what's going on? This is Master T coming your way. And is there an hour you need to lock into? Yes, it's the Brad and Avery Hour, the only hour you need to lock into. Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of the Brad and Avery Hour. This is episode number 21. I'm here with Avery Lewis McDougal. I'm, of course, Brad Barkley. You might be wondering, what are we doing and where are we? Well, we're not locked in Avery's basement. <laughs> we are here at the beautiful state of the yard. Uh, brand new dinner, uh, dinner slash club here in West Edmonton Mall called Howie's. Uh, your go-to destination for birthdays as well, Avery. I'm sure uh, you got yours, yours coming up, and you'll you'll be here in a couple weeks. That's correct. That's correct. Also, Brad, your birthday was here back a couple weeks ago. You had your birthday here. You had a few few thousand people here at Howie's. I, I yeah, we did. It was it was fun. <laughs> we had, we had a good old time. Uh, so come on down. Make sure you talk to Shaq and Raymar. And uh, they'll they'll hook you up with the good good stuff. Again, thank you guys so much to the king and the legend himself, Raymar. Uh, big shout out again to Howie's for having us here. As always, Grand Villa Casino. Even though we're not there, they always support us. Of course, Yoga Life are, are one of our key sponsors as well. Correct. Uh, some mad love and mad props to to all of you guys that keep us running. Also, reminder, really quick, our live show this Sunday uh, with with Yoga Life. That's right. we'll, we'll be down there having a good time. Maybe it'll put you into a pretzel, Brad. Get you nice and flexible doing some yoga. Maybe a downward dog. I'm, uh, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what the day brings us. I'm, uh, I'm nervous and excited all at the same time. I've never done yoga. Um, I've never even stepped foot in a yoga studio. So this is going to be very, very fun. Um, and again, as I said, if you have not been to Howie's yet or Starlight Casino, I should also mention Grand Opening. This Wednesday night, Starlight Casino, September 25th, brand new. Uh, 26, 26, sorry. Yep. 25th is tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Wednesday night. Wednesday night, uh, brand new state-of-the-art uh, casino here in West Edmonton Mall. Beautiful renovations done. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, I, I guess, casino. We, we were in there earlier today, showed Avery around. Brand new private poker room. It's fantastic. So come on down for that Wednesday night. But, of course, check out Hallie's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night for their dinner program. And, of course, they're after 11 p.m. It turns into a big dance party and Avery's a DJ. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but it, <laughs> I mean, it I is, could be if you want me to. It, it is a good time. Uh, come on down. It's a it's a 20s, 30s, and, and 40s themed uh, bar. And uh, mm-hmm. we will show you around this place in, you know, towards the end of the show. We'll give you kind of a virtual tour. Right directly behind us is a stage where uh, they have bands uh, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, very uh, unique twist on bands. It's mm-hmm. um, just a, a great time. And uh, I, I, we always have fun when we come here. So just remember to mention the Brad and Avery Hour when you come on down. And they will hook you up as well and, and treat you like family. Uh, let's get started, though, Avery. And let's talk about... Um, Something I guess relatively big that happened today. I, I wanna I wanna start off that way. Kawhi Leonard 
spoke to the media for the first time in Toronto, and, and to say the least, it was very unique. Yeah, you know, as people know in basketball, Kawhi Leonard is a man of very few words, and I mean like five, six words at the most. He it was all on the NBA today. It was media day for all 30 teams. Of course, Raptors had their media day at the Arcana Center, and it was really Kawhi saying, you know what, being positive about Toronto, saying all the right all the right things, and you saw what's going viral is that there was a question asked to Kawhi on on basically the question was we don't really know much much about you Kawhi. Who, what, what kind of person are you? What, like, what you like to do for fun? Right. And Kawhi gave his answer pretty straightforward, but then the laugh was so. It's like Kawhi was laughing for the first time in his, in his adult life. It, it seemed very forced. <laughs> uh, uh, we we talked about that very, very forced. And uh, what what do you see coming of this? Is Kawhi Leonard a Raptor this one year, or is he a, is he a Raptor for uh, many years to come? You know, I think if this team goes out and wins in Eastern Conference and actually gets beyond the second round in the East, which they very much can do now, now that LeBron's an LA Laker. I think Kawhi does stay for a while also too. Toronto is still in the hunt, allegedly for Dream Butler. It's a guy who, if you bring him into Toronto, that will, I think, will, move it, will want to give Kawhi a run to stay here in, in Toronto. But we'll see what happens, though. I think if you want to keep Kawhi, you got to win at least two playoff rounds, in my mind, Brad. What are the chances the Raptors actually actually land a guy like Jimmy Butler? It's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough. I mean, you, you'd be great in that backcourt with, with um, Kyle Lowry. But it depends. What do you give up, though, to get that kind of guy? Is it sacrificing a big, like uh, Serge Ibaka? He's been rumored, WL's rumor that Ibaka could be going back to Minnesota for Butler if that happens. So we'll see what happens if that return with the Raptors and the, and the um, Minnesota Timberwolves, if that's even there. But no, Butler... He said he said himself that he would prefer to go to either the Knicks or the Clippers. Yeah, and that's where Kawhi wants to end up as well. So, um, for those of you that are just joining us, we're live from Howie's uh, Club here in West Edmonton Mall. Uh, great location. If you haven't been, come on down. Um, they're going to be a, a sponsor of ours for here on out. Uh, Grand Bella Casino again. Thank you guys, um, and thank you all of you for those tuning in. Remember to stay tuned till the end of the show. We are giving away a private dinner for two on the Brad and Avery Hour and on uh, the the house of Shaq and Raymar right here at Hallie's. So make sure you stay tuned with us and, and keep on tuning in. Exactly. Of course, Brad, I know this weekend here, was in, in the sports world, it was a massive one. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. We usually do. We start off with football and talk CFL first. I gotta. I gotta get this off my chest first. Right. What is it? Tiger Woods is a winner again. Eighteen hundred days. At Tiger eight. Woods, <laughs> man. You know what? I gotta give him a hand because he is. And I might get some meat for this, but he's gotta be the greatest golfer in this era. The greatest golfer in the world, and. I, I I I cried a tear. I'm watching football. I'm having a rough day. I'm at first round, you know, having a having a quick uh, quick pop. And my Denver Broncos just lost by 13 points. It was a terrible a terrible day. <laughs> the LA Chargers lost. My uncle was crying. You know, it was it was bad it's too news. Old to cry. Bad news all around. And then the one bright spot on a Sunday afternoon, Tiger Woods sinks it and becomes. A champion yet again. I never thought I'd seen the day. He is now three majors shy of breaking the record. Um, and you know what? 
I'm going to go on a bold limb here. I think he does it. I think he wins three more majors before he hangs it up and the Tiger Woods calls a career. You know what? The Tiger Woods of right now, he's healthy. His mind, body, and soul are strong. Absolutely. Yeah, he's 42 years old. 100%. But he is healthy. Mm-hmm. His back is fine. His knees are okay. Be scared of Tiger Woods as, as a healthy man in the PGA Tour. You have to be. I mean, this is the Tiger we've been waiting for. This is the Tiger we're excited about. And if you're a Phil Mickelson, I mean, I don't care if it's for fun or not or $10 million, but you're scared going into the level event in Las Vegas. You're a little like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not the Tiger I challenged. Wait, wait a sec. How about you hurt your back again and then we play? But no, you know, it's I, I, it, I'm so happy and so excited to see Tiger Woods back, back in in prime form, and uh, and doing very well. It's it is it's true. You know, it's funny. And these young guys, younger guys, that Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson. Yeah. They're now seeing really for the first time what t- Tiger Woods of 15 years was, because Rory said it himself. He wanted to play against Tiger Woods, who's in his prime. Well, Rory, you saw it firsthand maybe what happens when Tiger's in his prime and when Tiger's rolling. Tiger wins. And now, in less than a year, this time last year, Brad, Tiger was ranked, I believe it was, 900th in the world, or about 900th in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, today, he's 13th. Less than one year. Wow. Yeah. Just incredible. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, even one, some of the best golfers in the world can't compete with Tiger in his prime or it, you know, when he's healthy. So it's great to see him back, and, uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're excited. I'm excited for him. Exactly. That Tiger is, is officially back. Now, I want to move over real quick, talk about the NFL. I know it's not Barry Peterson's favorite sport, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, he's, he's our biggest fan, but we're going to talk about it anyway. It's okay, Barry. Sit tight, man. Um, <laughs> You know, the, how about the Buffalo Bills? For crying out loud, they are 17-point underdogs. 17-point underdogs. And our friend Chris Westcott sitting there betting on his Bills, <laughs> and they go out there and they win by 21 points over the Minnesota Vikings. I got to admit, you know what? Wow. The Buffalo Bills are a team I enjoy laughing at day in and day out. 100%. But well done. Yeah. You go on the road. You knock out the Vikings. Josh Allen had a ball game this Sunday. He looked like a he looked like a seasoned veteran, mm-hmm. and that was his first full start. And then the other guy, we talk about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, this guy's out here throwing the ball. Gets Cleveland's first win in 638 days or whatever. About that it was whatever. What like oh my goodness, Baker Mayfield is all of a sudden now. The Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Cleveland. You know, I was watching a game with a few friends of mine. One, I was watching a game with a couple of friends, one of my friends being Mr. Mark Majot, the Empton Eskimos. My old colleague I, I watched and, football with him on Sunday, actually. Uh, Mark's there, a, yeah, the good dude. We watch football. You know, Mark's a huge New York Jets fan. I mean, Mark's out there rocking the Jets, rocking the Jets jersey, <laughs> rocking the Yankees cap. If you know Mark Majot, he's a big New York sports fan. So, you know, to see mm-hmm. his Jets go down to the Cleveland Browns, that was tough. And that was a game in which... We were watching the first half. Of, uh, we were watching the first half downtown, and that was an ugly first half. Yeah, it was between, very ugly between Darnold and Tyrod Taylor, and that was I. I, I that game could have ended nine three. It really could have. Easily, and I think right now, if you're the Cleveland Browns, Tyrod Taylor, you're telling Tyrod, Tyrod, have a seat. You'll be there for quite some time. 
Well, <laughs> and I, I, I think they did the right thing by naming Baker Mayfield starter next week. I, mm. I think uh, fans in Cleveland would have went a little crazy if they didn't. Um, so this is a new era. I still only have them winning five or six games uh, this year. Um, I, I, and then I think next year Baker Mayfield might uh, give him a push for the playoffs. I mean, I think that's a little bold as well. That's a big step, but we'll we'll see when we get there. But yeah, I, I see this team competing, especially the direction the Pittsburgh Steelers are going now. I mean, they're up big on, on Tampa Bay right now. But this is a team without Le'Veon Bell. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is not playing very well. So the Cleveland Browns can easily win a few games here and, and really be on top of that division. In, in, in due time. This year, mm-hmm. I don't think so, but... Yeah. I think, yeah, I think this, this Brown team is no better right now than a five or six win team in 2018. But 2019, they could be making some noise. And we saw, we saw uh, on Thursday night, Carlos Hyde had a heck of a ball game, rushing the football as well, too, for the Browns. He did, yeah. Uh, I also want to mention, I'm a little concerned about the New England Patriots. As are many. Sitting there one and two, Tom Brady not looking like Tom Brady. The secondary's beat up. This secondary is is absolute. The only one really balling is Rob Gronkowski still, and James White mm-hmm. continues to come up big. I mean, it's I'm a, is Father Time catching up to New England Patriots? You know, I think it is, and it is now at Brady because you always heard Tom Brady saying, "I want to play until I'm 45 years old." Well, the quarterbacks who played until that age, even at 44, 40, the, you play at 43 and up are. Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, Steve DeBerg, mm-hmm. George Blanda. Four guys in a in nine in ninety nine season of NFL football. Right. That's not a great number one. It's been four guys in in almost a hundred years to play at quarterback past forty three years old. Yeah, it's it's not pretty and uh, you know you tweeted it the other day. I don't know if Tom Brady can play till forty five. I don't think so. I, uh, how old is he? He's 43 now, right? 40, 40, well, 41 going on 42. 42, okay. That's three more years. Like, his bat, he's going to go out there in a walker at 45 years old. And the thing is, like, guys at that, that age, except for DeBerg and Testaverde, they weren't starters. Only two guys that grew up, I mentioned were starters at 44, were starting for a team. Right. They were backups, the other guys. They were only backup quarterbacks. So Brady wants to be a starter at 45, but the way it's going right now, I don't see it happening. Or if he is a starter, no. it will not be New England. It will be somewhere else, I think. Uh, you know, but but yet again, the the Patriots are in trouble. There was no backup plan outside Tom Brady. No. Jimmy G was there. Now Jimmy G's in San Fran. And hurt. now he's hurt. Knock on wood. I, I wish him speedy recovery. I love Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I truly do. That is the man in San Fran. But New England is in a world of hurt. If Tom Brady ever goes down this year, yeah, no, they. How do they they starting is, is, you know what I mean? Is Warren Moon coming out of retirement to play with the New England Patriots? Well, like, you know what, Warren Moon at, at you know Warren at sixty can still throw football, but I wouldn't want Warren playing an NFL game at sixty years old. But it, it's tough because let's let's let's, let's get the patch um, depth chart up at quarterback. It's an it's an ugly sight, and it has been for the past few years. Yeah, I mean it's. Maybe Wayne Gretzky could come and play quarterback. Eh? You never know. Well, Wayne's getting up there two and eight, so yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the Patriots. You're right though. Aside from the year they had Matt Castle, 
you know, they really were prepared well, for see, a doomsday situation. The other thing is they never even looked at drafting a quarterback in, the, in last year's draft. I mean, it just didn't, you know, it didn't even didn't even really phase them. It didn't yeah. really oh, happen or come down. Ryan Hoyer. There you go. If, that's Brian your, Hoyer time. That is your Brady backup plan. Down. That's your backup plan in New England. It's Brian Hoyer. Jesus. I, I'm <laughs> sorry, but Jesus Christ. If I'm a pass fan, I am scared. You know what? Yeah. I, I, I am scared. Yeah. And remember, when Braves was gone for four games, yeah, they had Ed Garoppolo, and they had an oh, Amber Sand as well, too. Yeah. They had two young quarterbacks. And now Brissett's Bruce, in, in Indianapolis. Indianapolis, and Jimmy's in, in San Francisco. Um, yeah, just a scary scene, and I, I feel for, for the New England Patriots. I, I truly do. Losing, you know, I, I give a one to Jacksonville. Jacksonville is tough, especially on the road uh, in Jacksonville. But when you go and lose to Detroit, yeah, uh, oh, okay. And you lose by the, the amount you lost to, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, the Lions now, rolled in that game. Now, one more note in the NFL, and then we'll move on. One more. And I want to talk about... The, I just I just lost my train of my 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 train. Oh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He goes out there. They're two and zero. Oh, yeah. And we talked about this over dinner. What do you do with Jameis Winston? Is it ready? Are you ready? This is twenty fifteen number one pick. Are you ready to move on? Are you ready already to trade your future quarterback or, or what they thought? Are you willing to put all your chips on a 30-something-year-old quarterback of mine? That's Patrick. That's, that's clearly unproven in the NFL. We've seen what he did in New York. We've seen what he did in all this stuff. I I don't know if I'd buy the hype yet. If you're the Buccaneers, not a Jameis guy, but smart money said you can't do that. You can't go to Jameis as he returns in week four from suspension. I said it. I said it last week. Roll Fitzpatrick until he loses, and now you're probably gonna lose this ball game. So, right back comes Jameis, I think. Okay, now now moving on, Avery. Oh, hang on, hang on, Brad. Oh, oh, wait a minute. You want to talk about Clay Matthews and, and the BS and, and, and the, the dumb sacrament on the NFL? Oh the my Green goodness. Bay Washington game. This is if oh, you missed it. Oh, Clay Matthews in the Packers loss to the Redskins. Man, sacked Alex Smith. And if you've seen the footage, it's out there on YouTube and on NFL.com. Pretty you need clean, to watch it. <laughs> clean sack, you know. Takes him down to the turf. All good and fun. His flag is thrown. And rightfully so, Mike, Mike mm. McCarthy lost his dang mind over this. And the ruling was that, oh, you can't bring your way down on a quarterback. What? I, How, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and what's he listen, supposed to do listen, going down? Listen, this just didn't happen. This didn't happen one time. No. Twice. Two weeks. Two weeks in a row. Clay Matthews gets the same goddamn penalty on a quarterback. Are you kidding me? What are we talking? This is, this is not a league. Well, we uh, Clay Matthews said it right. This league has gone soft. What? What do you? What do you want? He didn't. He lose his head. No, it was a arm, the shoulder, good clean tackle, bringing the quarterback down, and a flag. Do you want Clay Matthews to lay a pillow and a blanket down and put him to sleep and tuck him in as well? Like, and it, it doesn't make sense. The thing is, too, the whole, oh, he brought his weight down. He's already 
off his own feet. Guys, swing out of bounds. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Change the mid air? Mid go mid air to? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand it. The man, he tackles mid. He's off his feet. He can't do anything more than that. Hey. Clay Matthews, Ridiculous. man. Clay Matthews, bro. Hey, I'm not a Packers fan, but I, I feel for you, man. I, I truly do. That's two weeks in a row. Like, just don't do that again. Or, or the NFL's out for you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the NFL thinks they're so smart no, with safety. It's, it's not. It's stupid. The no fun league is it's what they stupid. call it. The no fun league, and that's Honestly, no fun. That is terrible. Even Alex Smith said it. Even Alex Smith, like who got sacked, said it's dumb, pretty much. Even he knows it's ridiculous. Ter terrible call. And you know why? I hope the NFL gets a hold of that and gets a hold of that early. Um, now we're going to move on. We're going to move on to hockey. Barry Peterson, strap your seatbelt on because this is your favorite topic. <laughs> um, man, the Edmonton Oilers, are, they look good. They, yeah. do, they do look good. Um, let me, let, I'll put it to you this way and I'll put it easily. The Winnipeg Jets played hands down the Bakersfield Condors. Yes, they did. Um, and you know what? They put on a good show. Kyler Yamamoto played very well. Ryan McLeod played extremely well. And I'll tell you this. And Barry, please chime in. Or, or Tony or, you know, all, all of you guys listening, please chime in on this. But Ryan McLeod, number 70 in white um, in Winnipeg, he is making, I, I've watched it all three games, he's making a strong and a very strong case for the Edmonton Oilers to hang on to him. Now, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Ryan Strong might have just found a spot on a bus if Ryan McLeod comes in and takes over that third or fourth line center position. I think the Oilers, listen, the Edmonton Oilers need speed. We've been talking about this for years, that the Oilers need speed. The Oilers need, they, they need to get young. They need to get fast. Well, they're young. They need speed. Ryan McLeod fits that. He plays well defensively. He's a he throws his weight around. I've seen him play in junior. I, I've watched a, I watched him play all three years in junior, and I was shocked. I was talking to a couple guys about this, very included, when the Oilers found him in the second round. He was the 18th ranked skater in North America. 18 ranked. These are first round pick guys. This is a first round talent, and he goes 40th. Overall, to the Edmonton Oilers, we talk about a steal. That's a steal right there, ladies and gentlemen. Right. And for me, I'll tell you. Now, if he has a bad next couple games mm -hmm. and maybe needs some tweaking, Bakersfield is okay. That's fine. I'm okay with that because they're okay in center. If he has a strong next couple games, this guy's staying put. I agree And with the that. Edmonton Oilers are going to have a tough decision to make. Now, let me, let me give you this. You hang on to Strom, obviously, until... McLeod's going to have a couple bad games. It's, it's going to happen. It happens to everybody. Or, if he makes his way and sticks all to 80, 82 games. Obviously, you make that decision in February. Ryan Strom could be trade bait. He absolutely could be. Cause if, he could be out the door and Ryan McLeod's your new third-line yeah, center. If McLeod can give... Because Ryan Strom, as we saw before in the past, Ryan Strom is no more than a 35, 40-point guy. If Ryan McLeod can give you 35, 40 points... What's the point of Ryan Strom being here, really? How much point is there? So, anybody who just heard that, Ryan McLeod over Strom. 
Uh, anybody who's watched preseason, chime in on that, please. I want to hear your opinion, your feedback on number 70 in white with the Edmonton Oilers. Does he deserve a spot on this team? And another guy I'm going to bring up, another guy you're not too fond of keeping around, and we're going to talk about it, Evan Bouchard. Now, there's scouts around the league here and other management saying right now, arguably, right now, he is the best Oilers defenseman in the preseason and in training camp. For me, the guy's got an Al McKinnis-type shot. He passes the puck incredibly well. His mentality on the ice is well beyond an 18-year-old. Well beyond an 18-year-old. For me, they did not expect Andre Seckler to go down. Of course not. This, is, this was not planned. For me, Evan Bouchard was to start the year in junior. He was going to be at World Junior Camp and come back next year and be better. As always, I don't like rushing these guys. But for me and what I've seen, Evan Bouchard's an NHL D-man. Evan Bouchard it has and will work his way on this team, and he'll be a third-pairing guy. Mark my words now, Ryan McLeod and Evan Bouchard make this team. A little spice out of you tonight, Brad. Quite a bit of spice coming for you, boy. Yeah, that was... But you know what? Should Bouchard play his nine games here this year? Of course. Yeah, let, him, let him get a taste right now. But I don't want him playing here a full season. And you know what? That, I know what? Who's to blame for that? Not Sakara. No, no. That's an no. accident. Freak accident. That's all his management who have not done enough to prevent a 18-year-old from being in your lineup in day one as a defenseman. That's on management. You've got so many type of these bad contracts on the blue line that you have to basically put him in the lineup. Well, let, let me ask you this. Let's go down the line for a minute. Bouchard, mm-hmm. Ethan Bear, Jason Garrison, or Jerbeck. He played Montreal last year, wearing number 12. Out of those four, who's your front Ethan Bear could make the case. Could, I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen enough from him this preseason to warrant an opportunity. Jason Garrison's looked like a ghost out there. <laughs> uh, Jerbeck's looked awful. Um, he, had a real, he had a real good first game. Outside of that, that that's been about it. Um, Bouchard also leads the D-man in ice time. Right, he does. He's, he's been, you know, the Oilers are definitely giving him that opportunity to take that step forward. That, that's why I'm, I'm looking at this here and I'm looking at this depth chart that Evan Bouchard is the guy. Which, again, is not a good sign. This team has not done enough to prevent 18-year-olds from being rushed. And, again, that's on Peter Chiarelli. Time and time again, we've seen Peter make mistakes. I can say every mistake. Mm-hmm. And 100%. if this team comes out flat, I know I know it doesn't happen with James get fired midseason, but if this team struggles, make a change. Fire hit. Not, not Todd McClelland, Peter Shirelli has to go. So let me ask you this. Uh, our, our fans out there listening and watching, chime in. What do you think on Ryan McLeod? What do you think on Evan Bouchard? Please comment below. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We love the interaction. Uh, and again, thank you guys so much for the support. We love you guys. It means so much to us. Uh, thank you so much. Um, you know, what about, I'm, I'm going to bring up a couple other things in Edmonton. First off, the goaltending scenario. Um, Alan, Alan Montoya Koskinen, we know is the, the backup battle. Cam Talbot, uh, we know is the, the number one goaltender. That's not going to change. 
Um, and the other, I, I found very interesting, and I want your thoughts on it and your guys' thoughts as well. There was a rumor today I read on Twitter that Zach Cassian has approached the Edmonton Oilers. Again, this is all rumor. But he's approached the Edmonton Oilers, and he's asked for a trip. Hmm. Now, quietly, not publicly, quietly, he's asked for a trade, and they asked that they part ways. Now, listen, Zach Cassian's a great, he's physical. He brings an element to the Edmonton Oilers that nobody can bring. That energy, he can turn that switch on when he needs. You've seen him in the playoffs. He sticks up for teammates. He's a great locker room guy, great off the ice, great on the ice. And he's wonderful speed. My, the biggest thing for me that surprised me when he came in was the speed. The speed for Zach Cassian in his hands for being a big guy, I was shocked. Now, could this be an avenue that Peter Shirelli potentially redeems himself, takes a step back, there may be a team that needs some grit, maybe a team needs a character guy in that room, and come in the other way as a D-man? Possibly, that could be a, that could be a situation where you do try and find a partner that makes it work. I'm not sure where that would be, though. I'm not sure right now who would want Zach Cassian. He's really doing good. He really, really played. You can put him on your third, fourth line. Heck, you get a second line, possibly, you could put him on, on the right on the right team. And he can get he can be a guy who gets you a big couple of goals, big hits, whatnot, and have you there. So I'm not sure where he will go, though. We have some more people in the chat room joining in. Let's see. Any comments so far, Brad? See my chat acting up. Oh, there's. Oh, there we go. Um, was that was that who's your friend so, McLeod? So Barry Barry uh, re- is referring to McLeod, saying no. Um, they sent him back to uh, you know to Junior, and and he goes back now. I you know what I I part of me agrees with you Barry absolutely hundred percent here, but the other part of me is sitting there. Now, if he's going to be better than Ryan Strom, and you got two guys, you got two options, Strom or McLeod. McLeod's way better defensively. And, you know, and Ryan Strom just doesn't do it for me. Uh, Jordan Everway, just that whole return, everything going on there, didn't really do it for me. And I, I'm still left kind of a bitter sour taste in my mouth. Um, so for me, Ryan McLeod could be an option if the Oilers uh, assume be. I, I, I would imagine the option of sending him back. That's that's the most logical, you know, logical answer and logical thing to do, especially with his development and then whatever happens. But if he's there and if he's competitive and putting up points and playing well and impressing well, which I know the management really liked him right now. This is a guy they got their eyes on. That he could he could force the Edmonton Oilers to keep him in Edmonton. Regardless of whatever happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I mean there's still quite a few there's still some time left in camp, there's still a few more games, and of course we saw one guy who didn't get a chance to do to any anything at all, really unfortunately, Scotty Upshaw hurt his ankle and he's been released from his PTO. So to see, I thought Scotty brought an element of veteran leadership there, it would be nice to see him play the role of but you never know. Maybe down the line, it could be a reunion for him and Edmonton. We'll see, though. As the comments are coming in, fast and furious now. Oh, what's or, happening? Oh, we're on. Oh, there we go. There we go. 
Great, we're working now. We're good. Um, you know, the other the other thing I want to talk about too, um, for all you Oilers fans out there, Miko Koskinen has laid a giant egg in the preseason. <laughs> this is a two point five two point five million dollar defense million dollar goaltender, and he's on the verge of going to the AHL. Not a good sign. <laughs> What a good sign. As Avery breaks the plate. I'm um, not. Thank God we got insurance on this building. No, I'm kidding. Um, man, Al Montoya is a guy. And, yeah, it's appearing and, so. You know, may, maybe it's a matter of Koskin and getting used to the North American game again. Going down playing a month or two in Bakersfield, getting climatized, getting back in that, in that groove of things again. And then coming back and showing the Oilers what he can do. This is a guy that had a 1.37 goals against average last year. Only lost four games. Uh, he had very good record in the KHL. Uh, but again, it's a completely different oxygen. No, it completely is. And there's a joke about how, oh, he's so tall, no one's going to beat him high. All right, they beat him low so far. Uh, 100%, 100% <laughs> they beat him low. And Blake Wheeler, you know, uh, really, really uh, – Made him look like a fool, a fool uh, last night in Winnipeg. So, but no, but it's concerning to see your prize Frisian back goalie look like a sieve yeah. early on. I, I still don't understand the whole $2.5 million for a backup goaltender from the KHL when you could have easily signed Calvin Pickard. You could have signed somebody else that has that NHL experience, but leave it up to Peter Strauss hey, you know to go to Russia and make that move. You know what? You know who could be on waivers? Who's been struggling in, in preseason? Who's been rumored to be going waivers? Garrett Sparks. Wow, Garrett Sparks is going Italy. Yeah, you well. know, I think Garrett Sparks would have been a lot better option than Edmonton, but well, here we are. Okay. Here we are. Hey, I'm not Peter Sorelli. I don't run, <laughs> run this team. We all know that uh, the talking team would be, would be ran differently if that was the case. Um, but, hey. That's that's a story for another day. Uh, we are going to be we are going to be off air, of course, at nine o'clock. We're going to be joined by Adam Scorgi. Uh The interview will be posted uh, right after. He is the creator, the director of Making Coco, and of course the the much uh, the the wonderful movie now on uh, now on Netflix, uh, the movie Ice Guardians. Uh, Making Coco is the movie. Behind the Mask of Grand Fear. Uh, apparently, I've heard it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch it. We're going to the Edmonton premiere, uh, thanks to Mr. Scorgi. So we will have him on uh, later on in the program to talk about his career, his documentary, and, of course, uh, what's upcoming for Mr. Scorgi. Uh, we're very much looking forward to that. And, again, uh, we hope you enjoy this brand-new Look of the Brad Hebrew yes. Hour here at Howie's. Um, you're in West Edmonton Mall. Again, we're going to give away at the end of the show. You got to stay tuned. You got to be here <laughs> to win. You got. I'm going to make that now. You cannot. We're, we're not going to give this to SoundCloud this time. You got to be here on, right now tonight. You have to. Well, if no one answers. Then, then well, then I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Over. They, well, then all right. Enough. You, you, you got to be here on the Brad Hebrew Hour tonight. And we're going to give away a dinner for two 
Uh, right here to Howie's. Thank you so much again to the management team, the king and the legend, Shaq and Raymar. Uh, again, we, we love you guys, and, and thank you so much for putting us on the map. Oh, of course, yeah, it's been a blast. It's been 21 weeks, Brad. 21. 21. And, if, and if you count the live show, um, 22. If you count the non-numbered shows we've done so far on location in, across the city. And again, reminder, we'll be uh, live on location at Yoga Life this Sunday. Um, Sunday morning to afternoon, uh, we'll be doing a quick hit there, 30-minute show on the Brad Avery page uh, at the Yoga Life grand opening. And uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful... Um, oh, man, Barry has some jokes. Oh, hey, hey, Barry. Well, come on, man. Really? Leave yeah, it up. Getting, leave, getting cocky. Leave getting it cocky. up to BP. Come on. Oh, yeah, Just yeah. because you're a number one fan. I'll... I'll just like Eminem said, I'll, I'll sign a Scarlet Cat for you and send it over. <laughs> but Brad, so our okay. live shows on Sunday, Sunday morning, right? Sunday morning. Sunday morning, right? Yeah, Sunday morning. Every day is Saturday night, but oh, I can't wait God. for Sunday morning. Oh, wow. Sunday morning. Wow. Wow. Like that, yeah. That is a first. <laughs> and, and look at this. You've seen it first here. On the, Barry's, I had to. Barry's sorry, ripping to. his eyes out. He's, oh, my God. I can't I see that. Hey. Well, I had clothes on. I wasn't uh, naked. Well, well, hey, whoa. We didn't know that. You guys stood up and made your well, guns. People can see my friends. People see I'm wearing pants on. I'm not, I'm not nude. Oh, man. I, man, we love harassing this guy. It's awesome. We do this week in and week out. Again, if you're joining us for the first time, make sure to like. Comment and share the brand and Avery page. Any of your support is greatly appreciated. Um, so please go on over, like the page, comment on the page, and please, please share it so your friends and family see this. And week in and week out, we can have a better and better uh, uh, show. That's it. So, Brad, question for you. So did you see the, the Philippine Flyers' new mascot? Wow, yes. Yes, I did. Wow. Oh, Barry Friedman says encore. encore. You must get up and do it again. <laughs> that was a one-time thing, Barry. That was a one-time thing. Uh, yeah, for if you missed it, that's too bad for those who weren't watching. I'm sure somebody screenshot it. It'll be on Instagram oh, and Twitter later. Did. But yes, the Philippia Flyers joined the ranks of NHL team with a mascot, and their mascot is a giant orange Muppet with hockey hair <laughs> and a very disturbing beard oh, man. and eyes that are way too big for its body. Okay, listen. Listen here. Are not mascots supposed to be kid-friendly? Usually. Are you not supposed to... Are they not supposed to be cute and cuddly? Look at Bailey in L.A. This guy is a lion. Cute and cuddly. Comes up and he hugs the kids. Everything's good. Everything's great. This mascot is scary, man. Like what homeless, is going on? Like a homeless guy under the bridge. Look at, you look at even Hunter in Edmonton. I am petrified. I am scared to go up to this mascot. You are deterring children from going to a hockey game. What are you doing? And his name, his name is Gritty. And oh that is, my goodness! I that is very wow. I don't know how why it was approved. You have to go through a boardroom to get it approved, and they approved this weird giant orange monstrosity. Come on, Phil, what you doing? Well, I'm, I'm quite surprised in Philadelphia. It wasn't it was just a giant D battery of a mascot? Oh man! It's Philadelphia. Savage. Come on, you guys throw batteries at players. Savage. I'm the preaching truth. Ask JD Drew about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, man, that mascot is 
freaky, dude. Like that. Oh, dude. If you haven't seen it, go look up Gritty or or don't. <laughs> uh, or don't. Uh, it, it's terrifying. To say the you least. know, mascots in the past few years have been getting, of course, you know, Hunter the Lynx got roasted pretty hard. Yeah. Um, one of the other mascots got roasted. Um, Clark, Clark the Bear, the Cubs mascot, got roasted pretty hard too. With Clark, jersey, ball cap, no pants. And I saw some drawings of Clark the Bear that were not safe for the Brian Avery Hour. He was wearing pants. Well, we can't, what? we can't show those drawings of Clark that were on Deadspin because they are way too vile for this show. But people had fun with the fact that the club's mascot wears a uniform and have pants on. Look at the Golden Knights mascot. <laughs> what in the world is that? It's a Gila monster. What is that? Gila monsters are, are giant lizards that named to Nevada. Yeah, Chance the Gila monster. The Golden Knight. And you have a lizard <laughs> as a mascot. That makes perfect sense. Well, if you're a the... lizard and a Golden Knight, why not well, dress up a guy, spray paint him gold, Put a crown on it, abracadabra, I mean, yeah. you're done. I mean, yeah. You, what? Yeah, like, I'll, I'll admit, you would think that, yeah, you would have, like, a, a knight as your mascot. But if you're a local Nevada, you know what a Gila monster is. You know, if you're a local, you know what that is. Everybody else doesn't. Well, it's, it's a creepy-looking snake. It's for the local people. People outside of Edmonton have asked me why the Oil's logo a cat. People don't know that Lynx are native here. Like, in Vegas. People outside of Vegas Why don't know the cat. Lynx. Native to Alberta. Oh, Same man. way in Vegas. Gila monsters live in Nevada. I know that as someone who's always in who's always in Nevada. Yeah, I know that about Vegas. I know that Gila monsters live in Nevada. You're, you're trying to dress... So if you're a local, Gila monster, it makes sense in Vegas for the Golden Knights. You're trying to justify this, eh, Bree? I am, because it, it makes it, sense it for still, Nevada. It still doesn't make it right. It's, it's a native animal to the state. That's why it works. If the Oilers had a Gila monster, they'd be like, what the hell? It doesn't make any sense. But in Vegas, it's fine. Andrew, what's up, man? Uh, thank you so much for stopping by and joining us. Man, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Um, anything else you want to quickly touch on before, yes, we, the CFL. before we wrap up? Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that league. No, I'm kidding. The Eskimos <laughs> are, after falling to, you know, we talked about last week about the Eskimos going to a crossover when I mentioned. Yes. That's something to guarantee yes. because they've lost to Toronto and Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Well, now, at Ottawa, to list of L's they've caught this season. With a 28-15 loss at TD Place in a game in which defense struggled again. Mike Riley, was, his receiver let him down, unfortunately, in this game. And Edmonton falls to 7-6. And, and it's not a good spot for them right now in the Western Division, Brad. I, I think at this point, he's really missing Darrell uh, Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a major hole in their wide receiving core right now. Um, and this defense has been garbage all year. We've talked about that. Uh, Chris Edwards being at the top of my hit list uh, week in and week out. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, it, it, from what I'd seen, it, it was kind of a weird game. You know, not – it wasn't – didn't go really both ways. Like, a couple field goals for the Red Blacks, put them up 12 nothing, And then that was – you know, and then Ottawa in the, in the third quarter came out and the Eskimos put up eight points. It looked good. You know, game was – Game was close all throughout again, and then the Edmonton put up a or Edmonton Eskimos put up a, a giant goose egg in the fourth quarter. Once again, second half scoring did them in, and this is a team where now they're sitting third in Western Division. Mm-hmm. Home playoff game is probably not pipe dream now. Yeah, if they don't make it to the Great Cup, and that's not good for fifty other 
thousand fans going to the Great Cup. I mean, it's good for Calgary, Saskatchewan, whatever it may be. But the Edmonton Eskimos, their window of opportunity is really closing right now. No, it is. It truly is. And you see this team where seven and six and BC beating Hamilton. BC is now at six and six. Winnipeg at six and seven. I mentioned that's I, the Eskimos' next opponent. Winnipeg. Yeah, and we talked about this reality of okay, Edmonton got to go through East to go to the Great Cup. Okay, now the 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 scary reality could be could be East crossover. They could miss the playoffs entirely now. A hundred percent. It's a it's a sad reality, and, and Edmonton we're used to that. We we've been used to that with the Oilers missing the playoffs and a lot for football usually. And, and, and everything else, <laughs> we we've been kind of treated good that way. Um, but man, am I worried? Yeah, I am worried. Yeah. This is this is the year now where, like you said, you can't just keep, you can't just look at the West and say, ah, we'll still get a playoff win somehow. You can't look at the East and say, ah, they'll get a crossover spot and, and walk through the East. Not a guarantee at all now. And the Eskimos, and if the Eskimos, if the Eskimos, it's the same finishing here at, at nine and nine. They cross over the Eastern Division, and if they lose to say in the first Eastern Divisional game to Hamilton or whoever, I think that's the end of Jason Moss' tenure as a coach. Hundred percent, I I agree. I think Mike Benavides. Could be on his way out as well. Yes, he should be too. Um, he, he he should be. And then it's is Mike. Do I dare say it is? Is Mike Riley? Could Mike Riley be traded? You you cannot trade Mike Riley. You cannot deal him. You need to keep that guy as long as possible as doing goal. Yes, you have to. I mean, I you know what? And it was a year the Eskimos. You gotta think, Brandon Zilstra. Wasn't there either. That's another weapon. Uh, I, although I wish him the best of luck in the NFL. I think Duke Williams is going to be the same next year. I think he's going to get an opportunity north of the border as well. And they could miss him as well. So, Edmonton's got they got to pull up their socks, man. Their, their window is rapidly closing. No, it's They play Winnipeg good. next week, and it, it, it could be all over if you lose them. Yeah, no, it is a bad situation enough for the Eskimos. And I, of all years, the year you're hosting the Great Cup, yeah. remember? 20, in 2010, they missed the playoffs. Didn't weren't they even make it to the show in 2010 when they was Montreal and Saskatchewan playing the big dance. Now, 2018, and, and there's a year where I mentioned BC winning. How much do you think Ed Hervey would love to win a great cup in Edmonton? This oh, boy. That's almost like Jordan Eberle winning a Stanley Cup in Edmonton with the Islanders. <laughs> or Taylor Hall Devils. Or, or Taylor Hall in New Jersey. It is that bad. It, it would be a kick in the you know where mm-hmm. for the other Eskimos. And man, would it sting for a long time. Yeah, can you imagine now? You got Randy Ambrosi on the stage there at the podium promo, passing that to Ed Hervey in November. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I can't even envision it. If you're Ed, good for you because I've still 100%. to this day, that was a wrongful termination of a good GM. Who turned Edmonton around from a four-win team to Great Cup champions in just three years? It was terrible, and we're talking bad management of a GM. This is not the way you fire a GM. I don't. There was no even, you know, reason to fire Ed Hervey at all. To me, it sounded like yes, someone's management. To me, to me, and I've no, I've no confirmation. I've no way of uh, proving this. It sounded like, to me, from my assuming. They wanted someone who wasn't as headstrong 
as a strong personality as it as he did at GM. Not saying not saying some not saying Bronson is not a strong personality, but you know what I mean. Like Ed is very self-reliant. Ed is a strong person naturally. Ed Ed can, cannot be pushed around to get his feelings. Hundred and ten percent. I completely, completely agree with you. A uh, few minutes here before we wrap up and get ready for our interview with Adam Scordy. Again, uh, be sure to uh, check back with us tomorrow for the full interview with the director. And is he the producer as well? Yes, he is. Director with Don and Metz, producer with our boy Don Metz, the um, of Oilers Entertainment Group. Adam Scorgie, the director and producer of Making Coco, the Grant Fear story behind the mask. A wonderful interview coming up with him at 9 p.m. local time. We'll talk about him, his uh, old projects, mm-hmm. his new projects coming up, and where he began to where he is now. Uh, we are so excited for this. Uh, next week, we uh, I won't confirm, we're going to have a very special guest uh, in studio with us back at our home in Grand Villa Casino. We'll be back there next week. Again, we're here, a special night at Howie's in West Edmonton Mall, promoting the grand opening of a Starlight Casino this Wednesday mm-hmm. night here at West Edmonton Mall. Make sure you come on down, even if you don't gamble, uh, come on down and, ch- and and check out this uh, wonderful area. Yes. Howie's is in here. We got a match pub and eatery in here. An Atlas Steakhouse upstairs. And of course, the brand new and, and amazing uh, Starlight Casino. Uh, so make sure you come on down exactly. for that. Yeah, we walked, we walked through here before we did the show. And yeah, this place has truly changed from what it was just a few months ago. Oh, it's incredible. And again... Uh, for those of you that want to book a birthday party or a party, tell them where they can book it, Avery. We'll link up here after the show. We'll link up here after the show later on. It'll be a link. Uh, a link will be up, yeah. A link, up. link will be up by your connection to our boy Shaq. Yes. Uh, and Raymond, the, the manager team of Howie's, they'll take care of you. Please, um, uh, you know, th- this is the spot for your birthdays, for your corporate events, Whatever you need, I I had my birthday party here. We had a you know a, a few uh, a few people here. It was it was quite the party, and I'll tell you this is the spot they treat you like gold, and you even get special treatment if you tell them your friends of the Brad and Avery Hour, and uh, just maybe we're we're gonna give away a dinner for two to this wonderful place uh, right here. Thank you again to Jack and Raymar, of course Dave Pavlik, as always. Uh, and and uh, everybody at Grand Oak Casino, we miss you. We will be back next week. And uh, what, what a wonderful uh, show it's been. Exactly, of course. Our trivia question for the dinner for two. Uh, the, only, the only question for the, for the viewers, Brad, the ones who've been paying attention and listening to this entire hour. Um, Are you stumped on a question I'm for, not, the, for I'm the viewers? I'm kind of tossing back and forth here. What do you, what do you what, have? What do you think? See, I think we can. We've talked a lot of football. Let's, you know what? No, you know what? I'm gonna do a Tiger Woods, Ooh, a Tiger Woods question. How about okay. Tiger Woods one? Okay. In what year did Tiger Woods record his first ever PGA win? Answer that. What? In what year did Tiger Woods get his first ever PGA win? Reminder to everybody: you must be in the Edmonton area to win. A dinner for two. On the Brad Avery Hour at Howie's, uh, Thursday night, you can pick it. We'll, 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 
We'll set you up with Shaq and Raymar. You guys can arrange that uh, whenever you like. But a dinner for two, what year did Tiger Woods win his first ever major? We got dinner, you got bride as your server. Your tired night, they'll sing to you. <laughs> on, your, on your salad, on your steak. You know what? Entertain you the entire night during that dinner. The, the entire night. I'll come sign some autographs on the Starbucks app and we'll be good. <laughs> we'll uh, see who answers that one. And maybe, who knows? Maybe uh, it'll be an exclusive dinner with the, uh, the Avery Lewis McDougall himself and, and Brad Buckle. Who knows? Get maybe some fashion tips you'll, also. You'll, you'll win a dinner. Uh, to to meet us and, and we'll uh, you know we'll entertain you and he can sing and dance all night for you. It'll, it'll be a wonderful, fantastic. Exactly. Scroll down here. And we'll see if anybody's answer. Like I know we got people here who are tuning into the show and watching. I know people. I know people. I know there's some smart people who watch the Brian Avery Hour. Big shout out. Big shout out to Brad Taylor and Levi Nelson. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Your love and support. Remember to like, comment, and share on the Brad and Avery Hour uh, page. Show us some love. We appreciate you guys. Remember, what year the Tiger Woods won his first ever major? For tournament. Your, tournament. Tournament. Doesn't major. Tournament. Uh, and you're obviously you're, you win the, the dinner for two uh, here at Hallie's. A, a wonderful night out on any Thursday night of your choosing. We'll, we'll set that up and arrange that for you. Exactly. So, and also, if you're if you're a video game or follow our Twitch channel, the Brian Avery Hour Twitch channel, we've played uh, Madden, we play NHL, and I keep mm-hmm. telling Brad, send me the footage of our game. We we, we had the battle. Yeah, I, I, I got the memory we of the goldfish. We had the battle of L.A. Before happened this week here, I was the Rams, Brad was the Chargers, and let's just say the way this game ended, you got to watch it. It was hilarious the way this game ended. I get I get picked off in the end zone. I don't, because that's what cocky Brad is. This guy was leading just to be cocky and to rub it in. He's driving down the field. It's what? It's a, what was it? A, was it fourth down? It's like a four, third, third down. It's like, what was it? A, he's up, he's up on me 14 7. Yeah. What does he do? He's on my one yard line. Literally five seconds to go. Throws it. And I keep to lead. Picks it up in the end zone and runs it back 100 yards. To tie the game and set overtime, which I won in overtime. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not my one of my prettiest moments uh, as a as a video game player for sure. Um, so, for Avery Lewis McDougall, I'm Brad Barco, live from Hallie's here at West Edmonton Mall. Huge thank you to Shaq Ramos, Granville Casino, Casino Yoga Life, Mass Pub and Eatery. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. And again, remember to answer the trivia question. We're going to post it tomorrow on our Twitter and our Facebook pages. To, for, for a reminder, you must be in the Edmonton area, area, dinner for two with us two, Hugh and Hallie's man, and Avery's going to dance for you as well. It is going to be incredible. Thank you guys so much. We love you. For Avery Lewis McDougall. I'm Brad Bunko. Good night. We'll see. You. I mean, Adam, let's let's start with this movie, and then we'll obviously we'll go back to to what you've done in the past and what and what's going on now moving forward. But what what was you know the process of this? What what made you you know get up in the morning and, and say you know what I want to do a film on Grand Fear? How does how does this all come about? Walk us through kind of your your mindset, your 
the process, and then of course getting the the unbelievable cast together, and then seeing the finished product and the the unbelievable you know movie put together. Well, it uh, started with our director Don Metz and I. We worked together on Ice Guardians and wanted to do something else together. And he brought the idea of doing something on Grand Tier. You know, at first when it was brought to me, other than you know me being a diehard Oilers fan and growing up being an Oilers fan, like I instantly was like, oh, that would be cool. But I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be like, you know, strong enough for a feature doc. Mm -hmm, And then when I started looking like, you know, as just a, you know, I was young during the heyday of the Oilers. Like I was, you know, I was eight years old, you know, seven, eight when they won the first cup and or even younger when, you know, so I, like, I just knew of Grant and I knew him being awesome, but I didn't know the whole backstory, the suspension and being adopted and, you know, being a black child with two white parents and, and all that. And then once we looked into that and looked at his book and his personal story, I was like, man, is there ever a story here? Like a feature doc has to have, as Don classically says, like conflict, resolution, celebration. It's got to have all those things, those roller coasters of up and down, right? It can't just be, you know, uh, a biopic piece where it's like awesome hockey player, awesome hockey player, goes to the Hall of Fame, awesome hockey player, right? Like that's, <laughs> just a, that's a boring movie, right? right. It had to have the ups and downs. So yeah. the fact that he had this, um, you know, was what really made us like, oh, this is what we, where I was like, man, this story can do it. And then I said, well, the only thing is, is like I mentioned earlier, is that we have to be able to talk about suspension, right? And then we were all dancing around and everyone we're working with, and everyone's like, you can't talk about suspension. I'm like, what are you, he's already done it. It's in the media. Like, yeah. it's out there. Like, and then Grant, again, like, he just took all, all the weight off. And he was like, yeah, yes, I'm already lit through it. It's in my book. It's way easier to lit through it the second time. So, once we did that, and then to put the cast together was super cool and easy where, you know, talent never likes to reach out. We never leaned on Grant being like, can you call this guy? Can you do this? Like, our director, Don Matt, Grant, and most of the legendary Oilers for like 25 years. So he had all their contacts, and our co-producer knew a lot of them. So we were able to get to them really easy because that's always something when you're navigating. Like, you want to get through the team around them because the team, when there's no money involved, will often block. Mm-hmm. Right, the team's always like, ah, oh, we're not interested. But if you can get to the talent, and they knew it was for Grant, like it was no problem. And then compiled with both everybody loving Pure, our director Don knowing a lot of them. When they would ask who's the production team, and they'd be like, oh, it's the team responsible for Ice Guardians. And it was just like, absolutely. Like when we went to St. Louis, we were treated like we were pro hockey players. Like the way we were treated by like all actors shoot whatever you want. Who do you want from our alumni? Like, just come in and do what you want. It was amazing how well we were treated. And then obviously OEG helped us with the stuff the Oilers Entertainment Group. And, you know, it really came together quite simply. And then it was just making sure that, you know, anytime you're doing a biopic and it's a legacy piece, that you're honoring the story of the person you're interviewing. You know, you're handling, you know, the sensitive subject matters with class, but keeping them authentic, but, you know, not trying to throw anybody under the bus or in, in that way. And, and that's uh, how she was. And then, uh, you know, we, we knew when we sent the rough cut to Grant, but he was really, really happy with it that uh, we'd done our job right. And um, he now was like, you know, he's canceling all kinds of charity events and, and, and appearances um, uh, to support the film because he really loves the film and wants to see it go as far as it can. So that is the, that is the story of how making Coco came to be. So Adam, you mentioned all these guys who were in the movie, you know, we talked to them in Toronto, why them premiere in Toronto and watching this movie, you know? It seemed almost surreal to have so many guys, Gretzky, with Messier, with Jerome Aginla, just seriously, yeah, I'll do it 100%, because you had almost every single one of Grant's teammates of profile agreeing to be in the movie, Adam. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> there's many times on set, and I, especially in the last year, because I truly, truly, truly love what I do for a living. Like I'm very blessed in many years of working four jobs to make this my quote unquote real job mm-hmm. that I pinched myself on set many times being like, <laughs> I get to interview Mark Messier for a living. Like I get to interview <laughs> Jerome McGinley for a living. And then the Wayne Gretzky interview was really cool because, and this is a perfect example for anybody listening about always be prepared because mm-hmm. he showed up an hour early. And normally for our lighting, we take two and a half hours to set up our lighting because as you saw, Avery, like our, our interviews and stuff was very cinematic, right? Same yes. with Ice Guardians, like beautifully lit, very dramatic. So it takes a long time, but we wanted to be so organized for Wayne because his team said, yeah, you've got 18 minutes. I don't know why the arbitrary number of not like an even 20 or an even 15, but they're like 18 minutes. We're like, sure, no problem. We'll, we'll get it done. Yeah. And Wayne shows up an hour early. He's like, hey, you guys ready to go? <laughs> of course we couldn't say, well, no, we're waiting, Don. Our director wasn't in, like, he was going to show up, you know, within half hour, 45 minutes and be ready to, like, and we're like, Don, where? He's like, man, I'm just pulling on my driveway. Like, I won't be there for 40 minutes. And Don's like, well, Adam, I know you're more than capable because I've done interviews for hundreds of different ones for my previous films. So, mm-hmm. but I was like, sure. And I was like, I will jump right in. So, uh, it was a pretty cool day where I'm like, and I, I made sure to my team, like, hey guys, make sure you get a picture of me interviewing. It's a great one. Okay, you gotta get that side profile. Like, <laughs> get in there. So it was, uh, and and Wayne probably has out of any interview I've ever done, out of the thousands I've done, he probably has the highest use to minimal time ratio ever. Like for the 18 minutes we had him, he's probably Avery. You saw him. He's probably in the film for a good like six minutes. Yeah. Like, like. Like we've used uh, there's sometimes we've done two hours of interviewing and we use like three minutes of their interview or a minute or thirty seconds and Wayne's in it for like he's got so many great moments and we only interviewed him for yeah like eighteen minutes. True, and you know what, what the Oilers though, what the eighties Oilers, there've been so many stories told about the team as a whole and Wayne Gretzky when you were doing this movie. We kind of surprised that no one really told us Gretzky's story. You know what struck me, Avery, actually, when you're saying that is that. After we premiered and we went to the Thompson after party, which you're at, and like mm. you saw our logos, designs, which look fantastic. Our photographer oh, Derek yeah. Heisler created all that, and they look so good. Um, but they, not only is it the first one telling Grant's story, we're the first feature doc done on a goaltender in the NHL. Like we were all wow. asking, I was like, "Is there been anything done?" And everybody's like, "No." Like there's been small. You know, 20 minute Sportsnet pieces or ESPN pieces mm-hmm. or whatever, but there's there has not been a, a feature length doc specifically on one goaltender. So that's kind of a little notch that Grant can put under his belt that, like, if it now happens with other goalies, that he's like, hey, I was the first, right? Like, I hold that's a new record he can put in his title that I was the first to have that done. Um, it was shocking to see that there, you know, obviously Grant has a book out, but it, it was shocking to see. That, you know, I was like, man, I can't believe there hasn't been anything done with how cool his story is. And I get what might have deferred a few people, or deterred, I should say, is that, um, you know, Grant is, is a man of minimal words normally, right? He's a quiet guy until you get to know him, right? And you open him up and, and get his trust. And, you know, with Don having a relationship with him for, you know, two and a half decades. And, and Grant, I actually had a great story when we first got on a conference call with Grant, and it looked like everything was going to move forward. And we're talking, this is my first time meeting or talking to Grant. And Grant stopped the conference call, like with everybody in the office, and say, hey, Adam, I just want to let you know, I've seen Ice Guardian several times on Netflix, and I absolutely love it. And I'm thrilled that you are going to be producing my documentary. 
like I wanted to hit the mute button and like do a little like geek out dance with like a diehard like kid growing up watching the Oilers. So I was like, I was like, man, the Grant's here, like all of a sudden he's excited that I'm like. It's one of those again pinch me moments where I'm like, man, I was like, wow, I was like, cool. Like I, I mean, I had a smile on my face all day. We're my walking the house with my wife, and she's like, what do you got a shit eating grin for? I'm like, I'm so good today. I was like, you know, like today was a good day. Um, yeah, it was um, one of those moments. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of those this year. Where it, uh, you know, my team and I are really starting to, you know, get the international recognition and to have a guy that I idolized and you know watched growing up, you know, be excited that I was producing his thing was pretty special. So, Adam, how did a walk us through your story? I mean, how did a guy from Trail BC um, all of a sudden <laughs> become this? You know, you 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 did Ice Guardians, which you know I'll give you props as well. I watched about six, seven times. A fantastic job, and uh, I, you know, I'm I'm awaiting, you know, watching this Grand Fear movie. But how did you know? How did you become as to where you are now? Oh, okay. That's a, uh, first off, I'm gonna tease you only six or seven times. Come on, bud. Let me get that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go watch it five more tonight before bed. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, man. No, that's that's awesome. I'm glad you uh, like Ice Guardians. That's a special one for me. Um, uh, it really kind of started for me, man. I mean, I I born in Trail. I, I moved overseas to not get too too into my youth, but then yeah. um, I moved to New York to go to film school, and uh, I was actually in front of the camera acting back then. And uh, you know, I had small parts. I was getting bit player parts on soap operas, and I was in music videos and stuff like that. And and do a little modeling on the side to try to pay the bills and working like three jobs in New York. And I, I liked it. I was doing well in New York. I really liked living in New York City. And I had my green card to work and live out there. And then I, um, when my biological father got ill, I came back and I inherited his nightclub, or which is actually a strip club called Cheetahs. Yeah. And okay. I never wanted that. Yeah, I mean, I could have taken it over when I was even younger, when I was like 19, 20. But it was not, that was never my dream. Um, you know, and being before the internet, you know, growing up in Kelowna um, and coming from trail and small towns, like you always thought like the movies were like this far distant thing that you had to be the right place at the right time until, you know, I went to New York and then started to learn like, oh no, you actually like train at acting schools and you go to auditions and you get agents and you go to film school. And I was like, oh, it isn't just run place, right place, right time. It's people put in years of work. You only notice them after years of their work. So when when, I, when my dad got sick and I came back and prepared at the nightclub, I, you know, I got sidetracked for a bit because it was a big thing to deal with at 23. Um, but then I really looked at doing my first doc, which was called The Union, The Business Behind Getting High, all about the marijuana industry because lots of people that I went to school with and stuff were growing dope and had made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And when I came back from New York as like a struggling filmmaker and actor, I was like, man, how do these guys have all this money? Like these guys could barely spell their name in high school. And man, they're driving <laughs> a $70,000 truck. Yeah. Right. I was like, what? You know, and um, so that's when originally I looked at getting in the marijuana industry before, you know, now it's becoming legal and everything. That almost seems like, well, yeah, what's the big deal about that? At the time, it was not uh, that accepted. Um, and uh, but instead, I was like, you know, I just felt my, my dad looking down on me and I'd never broken the law in that way before. So I, was just, nah, I just can't. But documentaries were getting really popular. That's when, like, supersized me and Bowling for Columbine and all these docs, mm-hmm. like, where people, when I would be rolling out, were talking about documentaries they'd watch, not just superhero movies and stuff. So I was just naive. And the naivety that I had also helped me to overcome a lot of the, 
resistance and struggles and like because we made every mistake in our first film to making a doc. I was just like, oh, I'm going to make a doc with a piece of marijuana on the street. I know guys that grow and I have a strip club and I can make this work. And, you know, originally we were planning to like make this film in six months and then it took four years from concept to delivery, um, which films don't normally take that long. Uh, but that was, and then that film, uh, The Union, became really an international cult classic. And I, I'm not just saying that because I worked on it. I mean, it's been viewed well over 10 million times. It was selected to like 30 international film festivals, won many awards. It was actually brought to Parliament Hill in Canada by the Liberal Party to help educate them on the recent legalization bill that's in place now. Wow. Actually, both my marijuana films were. Uh, and they were bipartisan screenings for all parties. Like, So it really was like we should have failed in many different ways. And in one way we did, we didn't make our money back. So it took me a long time to get my sophomore film done. But, um, you know, it really opened the door that people were like, hey, these guys got it done. Like, they went out and made a film, and they got it done. Uh, so uh, then after that, you know, I really, for my sophomore film, I really learned the business side of things on how to make, how to get your tax credits in the province and really taught myself. I got, you know, I got hired by Aquila here in Edmonton, um, came out to Edmonton, and then after, I was supposed to be on, like, a five-year deal, and then after, like, a year and a half, they got bought out by the Oilers Entertainment Group, and then they didn't really want to specialize in films. They just wanted to focus on the Oilers. So I got let go after moving my family here, and I and at that point it was crunch time. I was like, man, I have to make this work, otherwise I'm gonna have to go like everybody else and get a job on the rigs or work two or three jobs. And I didn't want to go back to that because I loved what I was doing at Aquila. And then and then I really, really had. I mean, honestly, I had tons of help along the way, but I really forced myself to understand how federal and provincial tax credits work and how the Canadian Media Fund works and understanding the business from broadcasters and distributors. And now it's one of those things that's really uh, kind of serendipitous or funny that for a guy that barely passed math in high school, he was told <laughs> yeah. by most teachers that didn't take time, like, you're a retard and you're dumb. And, you know, I was always like, all my buddies are like, Adam, are you in the special needs math? I'm like, shut up, man. Like, <laughs> like, and now I'm the guy that teaches. I'm actually like a mentor for the Tell a Story Hive to teach them how to do budgets and financing for films because that math makes sense to me. Self-taught because that's how my family was going to eat and I was going to continue. And then fortunately, I surrounded myself, you know, a great producer surrounds himself with great, talented people. I mean, most people know me from my films just because I'm kind of a loud mouth social media guy, but I've been very fortunate to work with great directors on many projects and our teams just, you know, whether you call it luck or I, I'd like to use that, you know, that golfer saying that, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to be. Um, that, uh, you know, our films, even if they don't make the big, big, big film festivals, they do extremely well with the general public and they turn profits and investors get paid back and we can continue to make compelling content. See, isn't that crazy? I mean, I, I, I own and operate my own business on the side as well. And, and people, people have called me crazy and, you know, I, I've been doing it for five years. Oh, you're nuts. This isn't you. And you need to do something else. You need to go get another job or whatever. And then. You know, when, when you make it bigger or when you become successful, all of a sudden people, oh, see, I knew you could do it. So it's 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 not the same thing, but it's because you're making movies and completely different. But you, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just everywhere. If you follow no, it, dreams, it's it's it's, it's like, totally the same thing. You know, you know what I hear when people say that to you and they're like, oh, it's stupid and can't do your own business. I'm like, oh, you're miserable. So you want me to be miserable like you. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I step out of the realms of normal, 
yeah. and I'm doing something that I'm passionate and that I like and I'm actually making profit, people's most, unfortunately, most people's knee-jerk reaction is vengeful and despiteful because they are mm-hmm. pissed that you, especially when you kind of know somebody because then you start comparing yourself. You're like, oh, man, they're not like smarter than me. They're not like, they don't have, like, what do they have that I don't? Well, what they did is they managed their time right and they took risks, right? That's one of the things that I, when I go speak at film festivals and people be like, you know, I had this idea and the distributor was interested and then it fell through and I invested all this time and money. And I'm like, dude, do you think any business in the world hasn't done the same thing? Yeah. Whether it's movies or whatever, you think that they didn't make mistakes? I made huge mistakes in our first film. And that's why I didn't turn a profit, mm-hmm. right? And I made mistakes on some other films where I could have made more money. And there's mm-hmm. things that whatever business it is, like, but that's where you hear like people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and these guys saying, "Don't be afraid to fail," right? I was just 100%. telling my daughter this, who like really wants to, you know, go far in hockey, and I was like, I was like, Riley, I was like, do you know Michael Jordan is? She's young, right? And she's like, yeah. I was like, do you know how many shots he missed? She's like, oh no, I didn't really get to watch him. I'm like thousands. I'm like, you know how much he hit? And they're like, no. It's like nobody remembers the ones he missed, right? They remember the ones yeah. he hit because he was willing to take the risk, right? That's the thing. But those guys, you have to be, like, and I was relating to her in hockey, I'm like, right, you have to be the one. And when there's a minute left, you're like, I want out there. I want to take the risk. If I miss the net, I want that on my shoulders. Or I want the big win if I get it. Right? And it's the same with film. Like, I, you know, like I said earlier when I was just talking, the naivety, right, that I had for my first dog actually worked really good. Because had I known it was going to be so hard, like, if you were to tell me, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but because I was young and naive and I was just like, oh, I can figure this out, yeah. right? And then that is a good, great skill for me in producing. I found that all the mistakes I made only strengthened me later, right? Because you just find a way with producing. And I mean, I even have this up and coming in current projects now. We've got some tight timelines and some things. And, you know, you can't make excuses or blame other people at your team. I have to just take it on the chin and be like, hey, guys, you know what? I didn't schedule or coordinate this properly, and now we're under the gun. we got to find a hot fix. There's no excuses in my industry. It drives me crazy when I go to a regular business and I deal with someone that doesn't give a fuck about their job. Sorry, I don't know if we can swear on here, guys, but it's all good. When they really don't like their job and it's like, sorry, can't help you. And I literally say to them, and like, I'm like, I'm like no, 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 that, that doesn't work. Like, I work in a business where there's, there's no option. It's just like, oh, we can't. Like, mm-hmm. if we can't find a way to deliver to our broadcaster, we'll mm-hmm. never work again. So we yeah. can never just say, well, it didn't work out in this film. We just spent your money. Sorry. <laughs> like, no, yeah. like, you just have to deliver. Like, if you can't get clearance to footage, you'd be more creative and you come up with something else. If you can't get the music rights you want, you can't get the interview you want, you figure it out. Like, that's what people, when you're a producer in my industry, or even a business owner, right? Like, if things don't work, you alter. If things you alter, and if you can't alter, then you either adapt or you get out of that business, right? And then mm-hmm. you move on to something else. Doesn't mean you don't try again. That is a big thing that, you know, you. You have to be able to be malleable and willing to face those. Like I, I, I failed, I failed so many times. I'm like I, I actually, I even wrote this in my when I graduated from high school. I said, if you learn from your mistakes, I should be a goddamn genius when I graduated because I made so many mistakes when I was younger. But you truly do. You learn so much more from your mistakes than you do from your things. Correct. And, and this even goes as again, I keep going back to my daughter, but. This goes back to sports you see so much. Avery, you cover a ton of sports. How many times have you seen it where you see there's a prolific, you know, first-round draft pick or player, and they can't crack the NHL? And it's yeah. because this kid has dominated, has dominated their entire career, right? Like, it's 
been almost easy for them. And then their first real adversity is when they hit the pro ranks and they're like, oh, wow, I'm not going to be the number one scorer. I'm not going to be the number two, three, or four. I have to completely change my game to be able to adapt and be effective for a team, Mm. right? Now, that can break many guys, right? And it has. It's done it to many people. That's part of the things why I admire the enforcers so much because many enforcers were really good players or really in the mix, you know, well into their mid-AAA years. But then when they finally hit those pro ranks, it was like, oh, whoa, like, I'm not going to be an elite scorer or an elite defenseman. Like, I now have to alter. So a lot of these guys have to learn how to fight just because they were big and they were physical and they were passionate. So a lot of teams are like, hey, look, man, I know you scored this much when you're a peewee and midget, but like, <laughs> you're about to get 10 goals now, right? Like, yeah. those days are over. And those guys were able to adapt because they loved the game so much. They're like, you know what? I'll take concussions, I'll take busted faces, I'll mm-hmm. smash my knuckles, dislocate my shoulders. If that gets me two minutes of ice time in the NHL, I'll do it. And right. that, uh, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent there, mm-hmm. but it's, that's part of the reason why I'm so mm-hmm. passionate about Ice Guardian and following those guys because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think with all sports getting so commercialized nowadays, it's something that really made me fall in love with hockey in the first place. It's just that these guys love the game so much that they're willing to take on that brutal role that's, you know, very... Very often misunderstood. No, it's true. That's been really driving me deep, Adam. You went from um, producing and and directing movies in I think about a three-year span. You did about five different movies you directed in about three years. Like, how tough is that to do? To go from say Soul on Ice to Ice Guardians to Chasing Evil to making Coco movie on, Di- on Dietro coming out. How far do you turn around that quickly in three years and make about four or five movies in that in that time span? Well, it, it's where things kind of spiral because. Now it's getting to the point where, like, like, you know, when I did The Union, The Culture, I had Ice Guardians. Those are all ones that me and director Brett Harvey and our team created. We were hustling to market and trying to get them made and doing all that. And then, you know, now some of those other ones were starting to come to us. Like, Chasing Evil was brought to me and Danny Trey was brought to me. And, like, once you put the work out there, right, that, you know, that it, it is really that old cliche saying that you – put out what you want to get, right? Mm-hmm. You treat others as you want to be treated. And my team and I constantly put out great work and very in, in a business where there's a lot of unethical producers, a very ethical way of doing it. Like I always work with open budgets. Like when I go to hire my DOP and editors and my creative team, I show them like, Hey guys, this is what market, what the market was willing to pre-sell the film for. So this is what I can make it for. Right? Like, and then I'm like, everybody usually loves the subject matters I'm getting these days in my hands. And people are like, oh my God, I'd love to work on Danny Trailer or Grant Fuhrer or whoever. Right? Like, oh my God, I'd love to be a part of that. So I'm like, well, look, we have to make it look like we have a million dollars, but we only have half of that. So mm-hmm. can everybody do their part for this much money? And so many of the creative team, from the editors to the DPs to everyone, has always been like, man, I've never had a producer like show me the budget and like be so honest and open. And then I really make it feel like a team effort, and my team kills it on sets. Like, right now for Donovan Bailey, I mean, my team is constantly being like, hey, guys, really need to shoot, and my DOP and my sound guy, and everybody's like, well, hey, you know what? You know, we can't just, you know, the production doesn't have it. Let's all pitch in 300 bucks so we can go, like, like, I've never had that where your team's pitching money so you can go get stuff to make the film better. Like, that's how close-knit we are, and that's where now... It's getting to the point where my team's almost getting too much stuff. We're like, whoa, like we need some breathing room here. Like, if, Otherwise, our quality's going to suffer. And that's just not an option for our team, right? Is that we're, we're constantly putting in, we're, we're treating 
you know, our clients, whether it's Grand Pure or Robbie Kiva or whoever, we're treating them honest, honestly with integrity. We're trying to tell the most compelling story we can. And then at the end of the day, you know, our work is well received. That's a big part, right? It wouldn't matter how great we treat people if the work sucked, people aren't coming back. But the combination of all those things, um, to answer your question, is where it's now spiraling now where, you know, there's some other really big projects that I'm hoping I can announce in six months that are coming my way. It's like crazy the kind of people that are like, like, hey, I've seen what you did with this. And I mean, even Donovan Bailey, Donovan Bailey's the thing that finally convinced him to move forward with us is that he saw, he was like, oh, you're doing Grant's thing? He's like, man, he's a Grant is good people's man. That's my boy. He's like, well, shit, if you're doing Grant's doc, then I trust you to do mine too. You know, how how just last one for you, and and we'll let you go again. We appreciate the time. We are here with Adam Scorgi, the director and producer of Making Coco, and of course, uh, Ice Guardians. You may have heard and, and seen on Netflix. Um, I mean, how how does it feel now that you know maybe in your eyes you've made it or you haven't made it yet or you you're not to where you you want to be, but you you're getting guys like Don Bailey come to you too. To make movies and or, and films and all, all these guys coming, I mean, you like you said earlier, you must kind of pick yourself and like, oh my God, like I'm doing something right here, I'm doing something real, and and this this is why I put all the time, this is why I put all the all the effort in to make this happen. Yeah, you know, um, this year has been a real emotional year for me because of that, where I am. You know, I'm constantly trying to remind myself and, and like I say, pinch myself to just like, man, like, Adam, you dreamed of this for years when you were working three jobs when I was, like, selling uniforms and linens at Sintoff and, you know, working the door as a doorman on the, on the weekends and, you know, trying to do private jobs on the side and then in my spare time when I wasn't with my daughter, like, learning how to get better at the business. Um, it's been a really, really emotional and surreal year, um, you know, especially doing grants in the recent release, uh, you know, seeing these sold out events and being there with the Hall of Famer and a guy that I idolized growing up. And even with Ice Guardians, kind of like I've said this in other interviews, the Oscar for us was that I have NHLers come up to me still that I've never met to come and shake my hand and say, thank you for telling our story correctly and letting the guys that played that role have a voice. Um, I actually just wow. had this with Jason Strudwick. He almost made me cry on radio when he just said, Adam, like I was on with him and Jason Greger, and he's like, Adam, he's like, I got to tell you, he's like, when you invited me to the screening of Ice Guardians, I came with my dad, and I watched it. He's like, I was in tears. I was in tears in the theater because your film brought me right back to when I played. He's like, no, I wasn't quote-unquote enforcer, but, you know, Strudy mm -hmm. fought well over 100 times in pro, and he's right. like, the way you captured it, the emotion, the feeling, like even your cinematic things with like the Zamboni and the sticks and the guys. And like, I tell people, and this is, you know, what, what Strudwick said, he's like, I tell people, people like, what was it like? And he's like, go watch Ice Guard. It perfectly explains everything about the game and the role of fighting and the history. Like, there is no bigger reward for me and my team to hear that. When you go to do a doc, wanted to be honest you wanted to bring perspectives you wanted to make people think differently than they did before and i know because i've heard it from hundreds and hundreds of people that have written us that have come up to me players that have shaken my hand the players say thank you for giving us a voice the people that totally hated fighting and thought enforcers were stupid goons and never belonged there 
have come up and shaken my hand and saying, look, you know, I'm not pro-fighting, but I now understand why they were there and why they did what they did. You can't ask for more than that. So to answer your question, it's been a really emotional year. And even you asking the question, I was really thinking and trying to catch my breath is like, because I still feel like I'm that guy from Trail or Kelowna that's still trying to grind. But I'm realizing when I go into rooms, that's not how people look at me anymore. Right. And that's a weird thing for me, right? Where it's like, there's sometimes when people are looking at me and like, I used to box and grew up in bars and people are staring at me, staring at me in and they, the old school me's like, what the fuck is this guy's problem, man? Like, is he, like, and then they're like, then they, but then they come up to me like, dude, I just, I love your work and like, sorry, I'm just kind of nerdy. Like, can you like, I just want to talk to you. And then, and then I'm like, oh my God, I feel like such an asshole. Like, I'm like, but like, I'm, I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not used to it. It's weird to me. And I'm almost like awkward in those situations now when, you know, my wife rats me so hard. She's like, oh God, someone that actually wants your autograph or your picture. And I'm like, and they're like, you know, she's like, oh my God, you're such a loser. <laughs> I'm like, and then like, I don't even like when people were like, do you want, can you sign this? I'm like, listen, let me sign like a DVD of mine. Cause just my signature to me is worthless. Like at least if I sign a DVD, you have the DVD and that's like great work. Right. So mm-hmm. it's been really interesting for me and truly a blessing for my family and I that, um, it, it, my career's gotten to this point and I, uh, I hope we can just continue. I, I like said, I, I, I you can probably hear it in my voice and my enthusiasm. I love, I love what I do. And I just hope to be able to continue doing it. And um, I just hope we can keep making, you know, compelling content that people like to watch and uh, treat my crew right, that they keep coming back and we can keep doing it. Well, Adam, I, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on, doing this. Uh, Avery's talked so highly of you. I can't wait uh, to meet you. I, I myself have been a, a big fan of your work. Uh, I again, I'm I'm humbled. I'm you know I'm kind of still pinching myself doing this interview. I know, right? <laughs> uh, it's 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 a great honor. Thank you again so much for for taking the time out to do this, and uh, hopefully we can meet soon. Oh, my pleasure, guys, and thank you. I, I, I my apologies again. I couldn't make it to studio, but we are going to definitely do a, a studio one here one of these days. I'm just uh, I said I'm on daddy duty here, and I and I have to. Even with everything that's going on now, that's a very important part that I make sure I, I put in my proper hours for that and do what's right by my kids. So I appreciate you guys just letting me call in. No, of course, Adam. I've been a blast talking to you once again. Good, sir. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, man. Take care.